Hey, yo, welcome to 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm your host, Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by James Key. James, hello. Hello. In addition to James Key, we also have Maddie Key. Maddie, hello. Hello. We got a lot going on today. We have some discussion about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're, of course, going to talk about the madness that was the Maple Leafs versus Tampa last night, or I guess two nights ago now that by the time this releases. Uh, there was a uh, doofus of a reporter who said some doofus things, and we're going to talk about that doofus. And last week on the show, we did discuss about how the Maple Leafs goal song is the worst in the history of the NHL. So we have brought some suggestions to the table. So all of you from Maple Leafs Sports Entertainment listening to this podcast, we're doing your job for you. You are welcome. Also, we want to talk about the Stanley Cup. We want to talk about the Blue Jays. We want to talk about touching other men's hands. And we want to talk about wearing jewelry while operating vehicles. All that and a whole lot more. First, before we get there, before we get to all the sports news and discussion of the week, we do like to discuss what we've done over the past week and what's been going on in their lives. I think the number one story for all of us uh, was Dr. Strange, the multiverse of madness, something that we saw over the weekend. We don't want to go into spoilers just yet. We'll save that for the very end of the podcast. But so for right now, yeah. stay after the music. It'll be the first ever 43.6 post credits scene. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Yeah. So totally spoiler free. If you haven't seen the movie yet, James, what are your impressions of this movie? Totally spoiler free. Um, I thought it was good. Um, I think, you know what, oddly, after thinking about it, after watching it, I think I have the same feelings about it that I did coming out of watching the first Doctor Strange, that I enjoyed it, but I don't know it's going to make any sort of monumental shift of my watching priorities or, like, where the films rank. Um, it was Sam Raimi without being egregiously Sam Raimi, which, you know... <laughs> you're like what i mean there you i mean literally there were... made the same reaction <laughs> you just could see his you can't see mine yeah i was you gonna know? say this is a very sam raimi movie and he makes you realize it's a sam raimi movie okay yeah I, yes like it's very apparent that it's a sam raimi movie but it's not it's not doused in raimi is what i'm saying so um like bruce campbell didn't say groovy so like you know it's not like that kind of sam raimi so uh, but I liked it. Uh, I'm intrigued, you know, to how it shifts any sort of dynamic. At the end of the day, I was saying to Maddie coming out of the theater because we, we went and saw it together. I just, I don't want the multiverse to become a cop-out for anything. Like, I don't want it to be this skeleton key that they just pull out of their pocket to fix or change or whenever they need to. I feel like that becomes kind of, like, it becomes kind of cheap. So that's my only fear. Um, and it was actually my fear going into what, like even watching Loki, I was like, oh my God, like this is cool. But at the same time, like, I hope they, they kind of keep the handcuffs on it because it can get out of hand real quick and, and become super, you know, it takes meaning out of a lot of things. If you just start mixing and matching and replacing a bunch of stuff, right? Like you, like, you know, not, not, this is, should be a spoiler now, but Loki's death in Endgame is almost, is a little bit cheapened by the show or by like, or sorry, Loki's death in um he died in the first one right yeah infinity war so like his mm. yeah he did yeah. was it in, or yeah. was it like the first scene of endgame 
Wasn't oh, it the, no, like the very first? No, because he couldn't oh, change into Infinity Hulk. War, right. remember yeah. Thor, he Thanos decimates Asgard's ship, and then Thor You're right. gets sent. So it's Infinity War, yeah. So it cheapens his death a little bit that he just now exists again, and this is the one we're following. So, you know, I just... Mm, we'll see, but I liked it. Like, it sounds like I'm criticizing it, but I enjoyed it. I say eight, eight out of ten. Oh, wow, okay. I was like, that's a long-winded, like, pre-discussion or pre-spoiler talk, like, take on the film. I was going to say, it's good. It is a very Raimi movie from not just content, but the way it was shot. Like, the perspective shot, like, the... Like the watch perspective looking up from the watch as he's fixing it. That's a very um, Raimi style shot. It's also some of like the other content. Um, and again, I don't want to get into spoilers. So yeah, like there's certain things that are very much like when you see, you can pick out Raimi. Similar to like fucking Michael Bay with always shooting at dusk and dawn and having that, you know, almost sunset-esque type shot the golden oh, hour like that's a jj abrams and, and lens flare lens flare yeah or like the circle shot for action for where you know is a michael bay thing or kevin smith just two people talking for half an hour 45 minutes and <laughs> the camera on them only so you know um i did enjoy it i did like what it created for the potential of marvel moving forward i see what jimmy means by like it like the multiverse being a cop-out but i think in the hands of Kevin Feige, it wouldn't get that way. I do think it is needed for certain things, probably, moving forward. But, like, overall, I did enjoy it. And it was cool to finally see different people in different well, just, just, yeah, just, just Yeah, we'll just leave that there. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I, I think I knew you were going with that. And I, I think it... There's, I mean, so a lot of this stuff was very clear in the trailers but if you're not like really focusing on those trailers yeah. you might have missed that um i i don't know if i liked it as much as you guys did uh i had fun like i thought it was a fun movie it was enjoyable to watch i thought there was major leaps in the story of like this doesn't add up like this series of events that we're on right now i don't understand how we got here like it i feel like i'm missing a major plot point that they never they just kind of said Oh, this is what happened. Even though, like, every evidence that we've had to the contrary doesn't make make sense in that way. But I think if you ignore some of that and you just are in for the ride, I think it's an enjoyable Marvel film. Um, but yeah, it is very Sam Raimi. And there's a lot of odd horror elements thrown into it. And that's, I mean, he's a horror director. So that's what you're going to get. And I think, and I, I knew that going in. Like, I knew it was going to have a lot of that. But it, it all, sometimes just feels out of place. Yeah, like like this isn't a spoiler, but like there's a one part where he falls on a piano, and it just hits the classic horror note, and like you don't have to do that. Like that doesn't have to be done. Like I get like the notes how they were used in that moment were really cool, but you don't have to do that. You know what I mean? And I think that's that's where it becomes. Talk a whole lot about that fight at the end of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you'll have to hang on to the end of the podcast to hear the full spoiler conversation which we but, will tag <laughs> i guess so yes we will let, we will make it very clear of when the spoiler discussion about that will begin um i did look it up it is infinity war where uh, loki died i just watched the scene while you guys were talking it was it was very sad to On see the ship just crushes the neck 
Yeah, so the way I was thinking about it was I know the movie picked up like directly from another movie. So that's why I was thinking it was Endgame yeah. picking up directly Ragnarok. from Infinity War. But it was Ragnarok. Yeah, exactly. Right. It picked up literally right at the end of Ragnarok. So very sad to see Loki go. And it was also very sad to see the Maple Leafs just get their lunch taken last last night. Uh, Sunday night, I guess, as it were. Um, that was... So the good news of them being blown out in a matter of eight minutes was... Uh, there was wrestling on last night too, so <laughs> when eight o'clock hit, I can I can just turn off the Leafs game because this game's already. Yeah, but then over. you got to watch because backlash. Well, that's also part of the problem. Where <laughs> then I was subjected to watching backlash. Although they did open with Cody and Seth Rollins, and I was like, perfect. They opened with the only match I care about. I'm going to watch this match for 30 minutes, and then I'm going to go on with my day. So the Leafs game is already <laughs> over, and back. So for me, the Leafs game and backlash was already over by 8:30. And for the Leafs in the actual game itself, the game was already over before they even took the ice. It was almost like they had no interest in playing that game. Uh, I think we jokingly, and I think everyone's made this joke, that this was the first game in the series that didn't start at 7.30, and the Maple Leafs thought for some reason that the game started at 7.30, even though the puck actually dropped at 7 o'clock. Um, I, this was just bad all around. And I don't know what you can say about that performance other than oof just throw it away and come back for game five and boys you better be ready for game five because that's going to be an interesting one uh james i don't know man what what did you see in this uh not a whole lot of anything um and it's you know you know what frustrates me the most about this game is the leafs in the last five six years since they started making the playoffs again um they, they've had opportunity, right? Like, you can't say that they haven't had their opportunity. And la I, I would say that Sunday's game was an opportunity to place your foot on the throats of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then Tuesday's game would be pushing your foot through the throat. But like I, I you have this opportunity to go up 3-1 on last year's the last two years Stanley Cup champions. And that's and that's what you come out with, and I just I don't I don't know like you you can they can say they tried but it like it just doesn't look like it like they didn't even look this like the same team I, I know you know Maddie and yourself had been discussing the play of John Tavares back and forth a little bit you look at the way Steven Stamkos is playing against you know John Tavares like it's two different like even like feels like levels of effort. Or or he's or he's or he's just that slow, and that's a scary thing. Um, you know, there's a there's a couple plays where you know I know I know the officiating's been kind of discussed because I think a lot of people were expect like even us like we we talked about in previous podcasts that the game would be different and the whistles go away, but the whistles haven't gone away in this series. And now what I find is the Leafs, I think find themselves caught between whether they need to be a, a tough team or they need to 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 be like the regular season Leafs and kind of prey on the power play. But the guy, I don't think the guys they have in can play that tough style. So now they're taking weird penalties. Um, and, and the other thing I want to say is like, what's with the game? Like I know NHL refs have a problem with consistency and calls, but there were some pretty weird fucking calls 
last night. And then at the end of the game, Riley gets horse collared, and then a two hander slash uh, and a on that ice. In the face. Yeah, and, and nothing is called. And like in those instances, like I'm not asking for consistency with the weak shit. I'm asking for a consistency in the blatant shit. Like that's that's like and the refs. Well, it was the linesman saw and the linesman can't call that shit. But like, how, like even if you're the ref behind the play, you can see point horse collaring Riley. Like that's and Riley's neck goes back. So I don't know. I just you know you can't. I would say, that's a, I, I would say that's a heavy call strictly just for how fast they're both racing for the puck. And you horse collar Riley in there, and he speed wobbles or goes down. He's going face first or ankles first into that boards, and that's the kind of shit you're stop in the NHL. I mean, they literally had no touch icing for this reason, right? Yeah. And now, and now you're just letting that shit go. It seems like the refs didn't. They kind of let the game get out of hand a little bit. Um, like they couldn't. I don't want to say game management because that's such a toughy, uh, touchy. Uh, phrase around Not refs it. in the NHL, but they didn't. They didn't manage the game the right way. Is what I'm trying to say. Like it was, this is very wonky, um, you know. And and poor poor Campbell, man, left out to dry. Holy shit! Yeah, like one. I I kind of agree with the sentiment of like you had Tampa on the ropes. Not really on the ropes, but you played very well against them so far. You've had your opportunities, you know, you had your chances to really take a stranglehold on the series. But at the same time, they are the back-to-back defending cup champs for a reason. They're 16-0 and now after a loss. They know what's at stake if they go down 3-1. to Doesn't matter who, like, make the jokes about the Leafs all you want. Any team you go down 3-1 to with, that's a hard thing to come back from. So I think they had extra motivation and... Again, they've been there for two straight years. They know how to get it done. The one thing I will say, and whether you can say this is a positive or not, that you can take from it, is they, at minimum, didn't give up. You know, they did make their push. Realistically, that game is 5-3 because of the two empty netters, right? So they didn't just kill over, let the game go, rag the puck, do, you know, the old dump and chase. You know, they made the effort to continue to push, which is a good sign. They did that in the last game they got blown out in. And I know it's like grasping at straws, and I know it's potentially, you know, copium, like heavy dose of copium. But I do think that is a good sign. I think the play of Tavares has been concerning as much as you want to say, oh, defensively, he's been this, or he's been this percentage on the draw. Great. Win me 95% of your fucking draws. I don't care if you're not putting the puck in the net or stopping the puck from going into the net. I don't give a shit how good you are on the draw. You're not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, known to not. Yeah. Yeah. At at that point. To not be a good skater, too. Yeah. At that point, you're saying like $11 million for John Tavares to win faceoffs is not enough. Right? Like, David Camp can win faceoffs. Bring back Yannick Perot if you need a faceoff guy. Like, who gives it a shit? Like, pay him the league minimum, get him on the draw, get him off the ice, and then get Matthews back out there then. But you're not paying $11 million for a guy to be 70% on the draw in the playoffs as the captain of this team who's supposed to be the driving voice of we are different, that this year is different, that we've learned our lessons. 
Again, if this goes seven and the Leafs lose in double overtime, I don't honestly think that you blow this team up because they have a built-in excuse that it was double overtime against the defending back-to-back cup champs. Do you know what I mean? But you do expect these boys to come out and put up a better effort, like an even better effort than they did in game one. Because if not, and you go down three to two against Tampa, that's definitely not something you really want to be doing. And, and you made a comment about them not giving up. I I, I half agree with that. <laughs> Only I was gonna yeah, say, no, was, yeah, was, you can't give up when you've already, yeah, you already can't, you can't give up when you've already given up. Like they didn't start, so it's it was, you know, and there there were a couple of soft goals from Jack, too. There was one I forget who it was. It just whisked. Well, the Belmar goal is just it's a it's an unfortunate bounce that like every guy is kind of in their position. You just the puck takes a weird bounce. The backboards comes in front of the net right to Belmar, you kind of wish that, you know, Muzzin turns around and plays the puck instead of the position in that moment. But again, we all know you're taught to play your position and play your man and not the puck in certain situations, right? Yeah, but there's so, another one, maybe you remember, where it floated by Campbell's glove. Like, it just... That, like was, he the, just, uh, the, that was the fifth goal. Yeah, he just, he just missed it. Like, he just reached Ross, for it. The Ross Colton wrist shot goal, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, and fucking Ross, it had to be Ross Cole, but, um, yeah, I hear you. Like that's the shit that kind of breaks your nuts, but at the same time, it's, you're at that point where I think that's probably why he gets pulled. Yeah. You you have to save him. Yeah. I think if that puck comes in, hits his pad, comes out, rebound, another shot, hits his pad and then Tampa crashes and then scores on like the double triple rebound try i think you probably could leave him in but that went right through his glove yeah i I wouldn't have left him in anyway because like at that point the game's lost you don't want to risk him getting injured you don't want him beating himself up you know it's it's better live to fight another day i think in that instance and you know actually i'll you know on that point credit to shalgren he played pretty well the last little bit of that game i don't know you probably didn't watch dustin but uh he he was solid and it it gives you confidence that maybe you know when the leafs were looking for that competent backup um you know maybe that's an option down the road i also think too that campbell next game very short leash if they go down 2-0 quick he's he's out of there and shalgren goes in i don't think they risk what happened again going down three four nothing in the first five minutes of the game 10 minutes of the game you can't do that you can't do that i i don't think that's the case i think campbell is their guy and i (laughs) if he's not they're in trouble they're in big trouble if campbell's not their guy i think they need to at least give him enough rope to say look this is it you're the guy and you have to run with this and you the team's gonna do as well as he does uh i don't I know you guys are talking about not quitting, but man, did Nylander ever quit on that play? And oh. I think you guys know a play I'm talking about. It was a it was a, a nice pass up to Nylander, and it just got out of his reach, and the puck went into the defending zone, and it it seemed it was like it was going pretty slow from the faceoff dot down to the red line, and he just stopped skating, 
and just gave Literally the puck away. Like here, gave you have up. It. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to get hit. It's five nothing. What do I care? And oh boy, that was that was uh, not something you want to see for a team that's trying to get back in a game. It's weird because like I I understand like the guy you're racing against is Eric Chernak and. Yeah, he might pace you pretty good if you, if you win that puck battle. But at the same time, you have to be wi- like that is what the playoffs is about. You have to be willing to take that on. And there was just zero willingness on that play from Willie. No willingness from Willie to make that play. And I think that's that. Like the complaint about Nylander, that game actually here it is. That game is. William Nylander in a nutshell and what everybody gets really fucking frustrated with Willie Nylander about the guy scores two goals but he can't win a puck battle like that is so fucking annoying that you're in the playoffs for the Stanley Cup for for like you know the only thing that should matter to you in this sport and you fucking failed the last five years and you you're racing a puck battle, and yes, it's five nothing. But the difference between how Tampa responded, being down five nothing in the game one, and and how Willie Nylander responds being down five nothing is is fucking night and day. Like it's embarrassing. Do you remember when Nylander was in that contract dispute? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There was the joke going around, which I thought was hilarious. That uh, apparently the story goes that Nylander had a contract it was ready it was signed by the, the organization all he had to do was go get it but it was in the corner and he he wouldn't go get it uh, wow dad jokes <laughs> over here get the fuck out of here wah, but wah, wah. Uh, yeah like i think that's the issue with the lander what pisses you off the most is the dude has potential to be all world and you know like a top 10 15 type player just skill alone in the league and if he had the, I guess, consistent drive that other top gun guys, a la a Matthews, a Sid, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, McDavid, like of guys of those ilk behind him, he would be an absolute monster. And to quote a fired Pierre Maguire, a monster on the ice. So I think that's that what's most there. frustrating. It's and you know what it is? You're not even asking him to hit the guy. You're just saying fucking skate, dude. Just make, skate. Just make him on, no, not even that. Get in the corner. Go get no. the puck. Even if <laughs> no, even if you want to, don't want to get destroyed by Zach Bogosian or whoever was going into the corner. It's Chernak. It's Chernak. Okay, if you don't want to get destroyed by Chernak, fine. Slow up. Just make Chernak uncomfortable. You don't need to hit him. You don't need to whatever. Just make the dude's life miserable. Right. That means I- get it. Get into you know. Get into the body position. Go dig for the puck. You don't need to be like two-handing him on the hands or on the legs or whatever. Just make the dude's life uncomfortable. But not. But I'm not even taking that. Just skate. Do the very basic fucking thing of the game. Like do that first. Like keep what moving was the score your legs. Of the game at that time. Hmm. What was the score of the game? It was, at that it was time? five nothing. But move your that legs. Was, no, I hear you. Move your feet. But the argument about they, you know, they didn't give up and saying they made a push and came back and saying you guys saying, well, the game was over, so it's not really anything. You could kind of apply that argument in that moment, too. No, I, that's not what we said. What we said was you can't give up when you never started. And that's like you can't not give up if you didn't even start. 
and that's what it felt like like it it felt it's like a, it's the same narrative with this team over and over again was oh we weren't ready to start we weren't ready to come out and play uh we were we were on our heels a bit at the beginning of the game like what are you talking about how is this still a conversation this this can't be the narrative anymore like that is gone that was three years ago like this issue of not being able to start on time or not being ready for a playoff game, you know what you are getting into now. But this I think that isn't a surprise. I think that goes back to what Maddie says, though, about Tavares. Like it, it's up to him, and and you know I can't speak for what he says in the dressing room or whatever. But if I was if I was Tavares, like okay, I'm gonna tell you guys a quick story. We were in the playoffs, Willardale. My coach at the time, we talked about this on episode zero. His name was Rob Devoe. He's Mitch Marner's skills coach. Uh, still is to this day. Apparently they work out in the summer and we were playing a team called Hillcrest. And after a game, my coach literally called me a pussy. He, I was the captain of the team. He came in and he was like, that was a pathetic performance by you guys. He's like, their captain is out there taking the body, hitting people, causing problems. And what is our captain doing? And he looked and it was, that was a shot at me. So the next game, I went out and hit everything in sight. And every single time that my teammates didn't join the party on the bench, like, I remember this clear as day. I, I was punching them in the chest and saying, like, get involved, like play, right? I see nothing. I see like Tavares is made of like fucking clay. He just, he just stares into oblivion. And there's, there's no, like, why isn't he holding the team accountable? And maybe he is in the dressing room, but there's nothing visible nothing like it's just empty and maybe maybe he's freaked out from last year i don't know it's 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 no, sad I, I i totally hear you i i, I hear the criticism for Tavares, and i i want to give him all of the benefit of the doubt I, I i think i think it's because he's the local guy and the whole way that he ended up coming here in Not a situation challenge. It, with the whole thing with the pajamas and him sleeping in the, the bed with the, the bedspread and the maple leaves, like, it's a good story. And he's a local guy, and I, I want to see him succeed. So that is partly why I am reserved in criticizing him. And the series isn't over. So let's also be aware right. that yeah. game, and if game five goes tonight, and this, could, this whole conversation can change. We, we need to... Um, not assume the worst <laughs> if Which, i were to come to uh, you we, if i were okay. to come to you and say you know what this year the playoffs you're facing tampa but it's a best of three would you be confident no well and two of I them mean, are at home the fact the fact i was gonna say the fact that two are at home yeah i would be confident yeah i i'm, I'm kind of middle ground like i'm not i'm not peaking but i'm not I'm not depressed about it. The other thing too is, do you feel like maybe like I, I think you touched on something there and I picked up on something. Do you feel that you romanticize your feeling about Tavares being here with the fact that he's probably the biggest fish that we've acquired in free agency in in a long time, and he's a hometown guy, so like it has this different backstory that you don't want to give up on. Is that it? I think that's part of it, but I think it's also partly because he is like Stamkos right, burned us, the, right? Like Stamkos burned us, and Tavares didn't. You know, would you feel yeah, the same absolutely. way, right? Would we, would if Stamkos was in the same position, in the same thing, 
and he signed here and he was not performing would we have the same sympathy um i don't know right i yeah. I, I think it's also because i think it's also just maturity <laughs> where i don't i don't get too high and too low on these things i try yeah. not to at least and i don't i don't like rip it into the guy um like on a, a personal level like I'm, no 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 he's, he, he is the no. human being and he's a, he's, a, he's i'm sure he's a very nice man and uh, he's a father <laughs> two kids he's a father and he has children and uh, i'm sure a very lovely partner and all these things and i i think sometimes we um get a little too invested in sports and then we start saying horrible things about people which that's not the intent i and i'm not saying that's what you guys are doing either like obviously it's you're upset about the play on the ice we're not criticizing anyone personally Unlike uh, this real piece of shit, um, <laughs> and I'm not going to say his name. You know who he is. He's a trash reporter for a trash publication, and he—I don't know. Okay, here's the thing: I don't understand why he's even allowed to be there. Like, this guy's been a problem in the Toronto media. How do you get a flight? Toronto Maple Leafs media <laughs> for for as long as I can remember. Yeah, like, we've always heard this idiot's name. He's been at the same shitty newspaper for the, for the longest time and somehow still has a job, somehow is still allowed to be in the media area, somehow still allowed to ask questions to real adults. I don't understand why this guy's allowed to do what he does. I, I feel like of all the people that have been canceled and people have been canceled for like legitimate reasons, but, and I'm not suggesting this guy's done anything like that would be like canceling in terms of like sexual assault or something like that. But I'm just saying, why can't this guy be someone who's canceled? Like, can we all the society just cancel this guy and say, no, we're done. We're not listening to this guy talk ever again. If he raises his hand at a media availability, everyone just says, no, we're not taking your question. Go away. Um, you tell the publication, send someone else. Like, we're not banning you guys from covering the team. Else. We are banning this particular reporter. We don't want him here. Why hasn't that happened yet? On the flight ticket, it just says Jeeve Jimmins. Yeah. I think, like, a lot of that has to do with, like, media relations. I don't think they're allowed to. Like, if the dude has the credentials, unless it's an egregious reason, they can't justifiably ban him. And that's, like, the, the I guess, uh, devil's advocate kind of point of view. But, no, this fucking cuck lord needs to go. <laughs> I think they can. You just ignore him. It's not like it's 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 not like he is impeded from doing his job. He can just report on the game without attending the game. He doesn't have or to be in the without talking center. to anybody. Just tell him he's not allowed inside the doors. Like we're not having you. You're not welcome here. You know. No, he's yeah. He's a royal piece of shit. Well, like, between the the Matthews COVID incident and the Nylander yeah. IKEA. Well, see that if there's anything for him to lose his credentials. For the team, the Matthews thing would have been it because uh, technically are private documents on people's medical things that aren't related to the sports injury, right? So they probably could have easily found grounds to revoke his media credentials for that. But no, this dude's a royal piece of shit to the point where I don't even think other media people like him. Like, you don't see guys come out and defend him and be like, well, it was a fair question or whatever. They all go silent. And you've seen instances where other reporters have come out and said something that might have been kind of like a touchy subject or something similar. And you see other media types 
support in a roundabout way being say, you know, it's a hard job. Yeah, sometimes we have to ask questions we don't like or sometimes are uncomfortable with. But, you know, and sometimes we have to choose our wording carefully. But, you know, we've all been there. No one said anything right. about this fucking wait, guy. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're rambling on and on about this guy. Let's let's roll a clip so we can actually like we're just now we're just dumping on the guy with zero context for okay, yeah. for today. So uh, I'll play the clip for you guys and then we'll talk about it. So why would you start your worst defenseman in a building knowing it was going to be this loud and this crazy? Who's our worst defenseman? That's your opinion, I guess. So I don't know how well that came through in the recording. I, I could barely hear that. Yeah, I'll amplify that out. But basically, okay, um, if, if for some reason I still can't get it amplified because it was a very, I think it was quiet for purposeful yeah, like reasons he wasn't he wasn't mic'd up when he made the comment so so basically it, it was jeeve jimmins asks why he would dress his worst defenseman uh in a building that would be that loud and that crazy and then keith asked who the worst <laughs> defenseman the was that would be that loud and that crazy as if that matters that, yeah it's fucking of hockey defense. like these guys have grown up talking? playing uh, yeah, like fuck off uh <laughs> and then simmons replies with justin hall and uh, Keith says that's your opinion I guess now here's the thing I'm not entirely disagreeing with the assessment that Hall is probably not their best defenseman at this point I will however say that is not really the time or place to ask that specific question I think and I don't necessarily believe the reasoning for him asking the question like his justification of loud and crazy applies here so you know you could have no, phrased okay, the question so, different. You could have said, yes. hey, is there any sort of... What was the logic behind dressing Hall over Timothy Lilligren, who who I feel has performed very decent in, the, in these playoffs so far? Like, that's the same question, just not as a dick. Yeah, there's a, n- a number of ways you could rephrase the question and to get to the soundbite that you're looking for. That's what all this is about whether you're doing a radio interview or a TV interview or a newspaper article, you're looking to pull out the answer that you want to hear. So you could have just said, uh, so going forward into game five, depend, obviously you're going to have to do some research and watch the game back again, but is there any preliminary discussions of what you want to do with your sixth defensive spot for the next game? What is your initial feelings with Justin Hall right now? Do you think he's going to be playing game five? You're going to go back to Lilligren or maybe jump into someone else whatever like there's, there's another a way, to, get to, way to say it you know there, it's like when a girl you know or a guy you know is like hey how do i look in this and somebody like, yo you look like shit you know you just say hey like what are your other options like what yeah. are you working with right red now? might not be you your know, color you could, yeah like blue doesn't really bring out your cheekbones in the way red will i think you should go with the red you know there's a nicer way to say it i agree i also think and for people who hear it you won't hear it but you'll see it if you go watch the clip is Sheldon Keefe has a flash of, of a moment in his eyes where he's recalling his junior days where he looks like he wants to jump over that podium and rips this dude's head off because there was a story this week or a couple weeks ago on another hockey podcast, Spit and Chicklets. Obviously everyone knows about that one where dudes tell a story about how crazy Sheldon Keefe was in junior and not just like crazy, crazy, like crazy tough. And the dude didn't take no shit. And he looked like he was flashing back to that moment. 
you know, like a tamed animal who's been domesticated for years, but then it smells blood again for the first time, and it just something triggers. It was like that. I, I'm all it, for it. It's it's funny though. Like I listened to one one time. Uh, Matt Cause had Steve Simmons on his program in mid afternoon. I was listening to it, and it was like a it was like an expose type interview where it was just kind of talking about Steve and his career. The apparent like Steve was talking about how he has like crippling anxiety and things like that, and how he's you know um, he's had trouble doing certain things and. And stuff, and I, sometimes I wonder if, like, maybe if you were less of an asshole, like people would be more inclined to be like welcoming. <laughs> you know, like the guy lives in 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 our area, and I've seen him at the mall a couple times, and I've had to be like, "Don't yell at him today. Like, just don't. Like, it's real life. It's in public. He's probably with his family. Like, don't call him a hack. Like, not today." You know, or and I mean, it's probably things. things like that, though, where people didn't have the, the reservations that I did in that moment that might cause some of his anxieties. But I mean, end of the day, DBAD, don't be a dick. And, you know, it won't happen to you. So I don't know. I Anybody feel who self-perpetuates their own problem, though, can go fuck themselves. And do you know what I mean? He doesn't do yeah. himself any favors. If he yeah, does have that, yeah. he should recognize, you know, he's causing his own shit. So fuck him. This is a brutal question, and you know, like I said, Hall's performance. Real shit, cucklord. Listen, we talk about Justin Hall. Another guy, you know, he, how tall is Justin Hall? How big is Justin Hall? I have never it's seen a guy, four. yeah, shy away from body contact. Like it's like he took the the COVID social distancing thing right to the ice, like six feet of distance all the time. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because he's, he's such a big body and he just refuses to lean on people. Um, you know, and it's, it's, ugh. I will Why? say for a big dude for six, four, he's very light. He's only 194. That's a lie. There's no way he's 194. There's no that is way. According to hockey DB. According to NHL.com 194. Yeah. That's impossible. That's it. Like now. How, the the way this works, they submit their heights and weights at the beginning of each season. So Hall could have been 194 in October. He's, he'd um, be lighter now. Uh, let's do well, gym work, right? Uh, heavier gym work throughout that, the season. Though, like the amount that they play, train, and work out, their fitness routines and their food consumption is so unreal just to maintain body mass. I would not be surprised if he's floating at 189, 190. No way. I would say that guy's closer to 210, 215. There's no way he's 194. Look at him. Just look at it. There's no way. Then I'm 140 pounds. Then I'm just going to submit my weight at 140 pounds, and that's it. Well, every like, dating, every dating profile, how much do you weigh? 140 pounds. <laughs> According to HockeyDB.com. According to HockeyDB, <laughs> I'm 185 pounds. <laughs> yeah i think we can all agree steve simmons and i know we didn't want to mention his name but i think everyone knows at this point and also because i said it already but royal piece of shit cuck lord needs to not be in any more interviews and post games the fact that we were talking about weights really wants me to pivot to a ufc conversation right now i don't know if you guys saw the uh the weigh-ins at ufc 274 oh yeah Uh, that's a gong show 
So basically what ended up happening, uh, Charles Oliveira had to weigh in at 155 for the fight and he weighed in like 155.5. <laughs> so they're like, we're going to give you another hour to lose a half pound. Go. And then he came back and weighed the same, 155.5. And the dude looked like he was a zombie. Like, I don't know what he did in that hour to try to lose that half pound, but man, he looked messed up. And so they end up stripping the title from him. Like, he's no longer the lightweight champion. Even though, so he was able to fight Saturday night, and he won his fight handily, but he's not, <laughs> he's not the champion. Because that like, extra half pound champion. gave him the advantage that they had to... That extra half pound, that, I know. Like, that's... Yeah. Everything he needed to be able to knock out Gaethje. Uh, fun fight. Uh, I, I mean, I love UFC. UFC is a good time. But what's also a good time is going to be the Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning tonight, Game Five in Toronto. I probably won't be there. I was supposed. I was scheduled to work, but I'm still testing positive for COVID, so I'm probably not going to be there. But what I'm hoping is going to happen in this game, gentlemen, is a lot of goals. I want to see a lot of goals scored by the Toronto Maple Leafs. And when one of those goals are scored, I don't want to hear hollow notes for the Hater. love of God. Let's, let's, I was going to say, let's retire it and hang it in the Raptors. They don't even deserve to be in the Raptors. Next let's to just Bon Jovi. Take them out back like old Yeller and put a bullet in them and just finish this off. Not the two guys personally. I just mean the song. <laughs> so, just we murder hollow notes. Week. <laughs> we talked about this last week and how we feel we can come up with better goal songs. I've come up with two. I know Maddie came up with a whole bunch. I think we're only taking two of the whole bunch that he came up with. Uh, James, did you come up with two as well? Yeah, I got two. I had a bunch too, but uh, I picked two that I thought would, would be the most fun. Okay. I don't know which ones you want to roll first. What do you have first on your I've, list? I have yours queued up first. Yeah, go, go with Dustin's because he's got the biggest issue with it, and I think it would be hilarious to hear right. what he's got. Okay, so hold on. Before we get there, some, uh, some background on my decision-making. So like I said last week, I think the song that I want personally is not the right song to pick. So that's why I've went with the songs that I've went with. Okay? Secondly, I had criteria in mind of how I of what I wanted out of the songs. So obviously, I had mentioned I, it should be exciting, it should pump you up, it should uh, it should feel like a party. Also, I took it a bit further and I thought to myself, it should be a Canadian band. That's just what I thought of as I was going through this exercise. So I've picked two songs from two Canadian bands, and then I got thinking, like, who's the most popular Canadian band of all time? Rush and Rush is the obvious answer because they're in the Hall of Fame. I think they're the only Canadian band in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If they're not the only, they're one of the only. Wouldn't wouldn't the Guess Who or the Who or whichever one? It I is guess who's in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. The Who's British. Guess who's not? Yeah, I, I always get it confused, but yeah, I believe the Guess Who might be in there. They could be, but either way, I would say Rush is probably the most popular yeah, Canadian band sure. of all time. Um, I didn't want to pick that because that's kind of the same issue I'm already dealing with with. Uh, with Hall of Notes, obviously a bit. My issue is it's an old, too old of a song, and you're not a, you're not getting a younger audience. Okay, you're getting okay. So you're framing your criteria. Song. I'm not replacing a song from 1971 with a song from 1981. Like it doesn't make any sense. So, 
the first song that I sent you, I think that's the first one you're going to play. Yep. Criteria was it has to sound fun. It has to sound like a party and it has to be a Canadian band. So I give to you Death From Above 1979. Okay. First of all, just the remix version of this song, it reminds me almost of an old NHL video game. Like that's something you would have heard in the menus of NHL 98 for PlayStation. Mark McLean on the cover and everything. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind it. It's it's got the yeah. the bounce that you know, like arena songs do. It's got like it feels very arena rock, so it it fits the the vibe. Yeah, I agree. I I enjoy it. I did like it. I will say, I have stolen it from my workout play playlist there, Dustin. So oh, I got <laughs> there. You go. You, right, a- and and as Jimmy can attest, I'm a music snob and very close-minded when it comes to my music. Generally, if it's not like orchestral, specifically like video game orchestral or pop punk slash metalcore hardcore post-hardcore shit like that i'm like i don't give a shit like i just discovered justin bieber like this year so So, i'm in so uh death or above uh dollback remix local local band obviously they are also have blown up of recent of of recently at least like i think this more electronic sound is like if you look at some of their songs on spotify freeze me has like 56 million plays it's like mm. what? <laughs> like they were this. Uh, I remember seeing them open for Alex or uh, open for Billy Talent at like some tiny little club downtown, and in like two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five. So did I. I Asia. saw them. I saw them open for Alexis on Fire at Ledge Electric Christmas at the Cool House, and I was like, "What the fuck is this band with just a drummer and a yeah. fucking bass player?" And then yeah, it's, it's a two piece, <clears throat> which is yeah. hilarious. But okay, next. Okay, so next. Okay, so bear with me on this one, okay? Let, let me let me explain. Let me set the stage. Set the again. stage is very appropriate. Let me set the stage. So again, we're t- I, I, these aren't necessarily songs that I would pick, but it's a, it's a song that I think makes sense based on the criteria. Criteria oh. being, it should be relatively modern. It should be a fun party atmosphere. It should be a Canadian band. And also... I took another little spin on this one. And it's something that I think you mentioned last week or the week before, James, where you called the Toronto Maple Leafs the New York Yankees oh God. of hockey. You took this in a lot of ways. Way. <laughs> I think you're right. So the Maple Leafs so you are found, the Yankees. We you are found the New York the Yankees hated, of rock music. We are the hated <laughs> sports franchise of the NHL. We, as in the Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Oh, boy. So by extension, the Toronto Maple Leafs is the, the hated evil empire, right? We are the Toronto Maple Leafs are the the, the Dallas machine, Cowboys, the machine. So what I'm saying, why fight it? <laughs> why why try to get over <laughs> its baby faces when we're very clearly the heels of this story? Oh my god, we're the bad guys. Why not embrace being the bad guy? Everyone. Let it in. Let the dark side in. Razor Ramon theme. No, here we go. So I give to you. <laughs> oh Nicholas. God, no! <laughs> oh God, no! 
I've never wanted to hit someone in the face so bad in my life. Not you, Honestly, Chad Kruger. <laughs> that song is perfect. It's got the. It was perfect it, for Raw a decade ago, maybe. Okay, it, it was a theme song on Monday Night Raw, but that's beside the point. It, it, <laughs> in the chorus, it's like we're going out tonight, and everyone yells, "Yeah!" Like you can have crowd <laughs> reaction in in the chorus of the song. That's also huge for a goal song. Okay. And again, everyone hates Nickelback. <laughs> I don't know why, but everyone hates Nickelback, just like no, I, everyone hates the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it's a perfect marriage uh, of hate. I, everyone except forty-year-old white women plus and white dudes. hate Nickelback. Uh. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Who's next? I don't want to spend. I, I, I'm, I give you uh, my vote for Death from Above. If I had to pick between yeah. your two, between your two, Death from Above, easy. All right. The fact Ma that you guys don't like it is proving my point, though. Like we, we yeah. are, remember we're embracing the hate. Embrace the well. Who was that? We should just pick Kane. Just paradise. Was that Kane? Was that Kane's tagline? Embrace the hate. Was that John Cena when John Cena was uh, when Kane was trying aggression? to? I think it was when Kane was John trying to convert Cena John was Cena. Rise above hate, wasn't? No, it? I think yeah. Kane was trying to convert John Cena. Remember that feud? And it was embrace the hate. I think that was it. Um, uh, maybe. I don't know. That was a time most people like to forget. All right, Maddie, you're up. Do you want to explain right, yours? So or do you want to play it first? So I'll explain mine first. For people who actually really like know me pretty well, know I'm a massive nerd, low-key, kind of high-key, not really hide it, but um, specifically cartoons, anime, mostly the superhero kind slash, you know, like your Naruto's, your Black Clover, Attack on Titan, shit like that. What a so, dork. Hey, Suck my D. <laughs> uh, so, the song I picked for the first one is kind of uplifting. It's inspirational. It comes from my favorite cartoon, done in the English mix by a guy on YouTube called Nate Wants to Battle on his YouTube channel, Give Heart Records, which I found and now absolutely just destroy when I work out. It's from My Hero Academia. So, I, I feel like it, you know, it's poppy. It's got some jump to it. The lyrics are very motivating. Talks about just being a hero and winning and moving on. I just thought it was very apropos for a goal song for a team of any kind, really. You know, throw it in like a billiards tournament when you win. Go nuts. There you go. Thoughts? Uh, I, I thought it was. I mean, it's <laughs> poppy. I'll give you that. I don't. I don't know if it's the the hockey vibe though. This guy, cut, this comes from the guy who's like, "Oh, I watch Backlash." You fuck it. <laughs> I don't. I don't like. I like it. I don't know if the marriage between anime and hockey. Yeah, I don't know if the world is ready for that. See, and you're not gonna say he watched Backlash. <laughs> no, he wouldn't watch Backlash. <laughs> All right. So uh, your second one. Uh, do you want to explain it or just go into it? Uh, I'll explain it. Um, very short. Because I think this was all, for our age group, a very high school era slash party theme, bush party, house party theme. And just, I don't think it gets much more arena rock than this. I can't wait, I can't wait. 
the WK. How much more Arena Rock do you get than Andrew WK? To Listen, just I like it. Fun, fun, bouncy, get people into it, high tempo. Man's dating Cat Dennings, so got my vote. I was vote. just going to say, they're married. Oh, yeah. they're married, yeah. There we go. He so, married Darcy from Thor. He already gets a vote uh, just for that. Yeah, exactly. So I just felt how it doesn't get much more goal songy than that especially like arena rock hyping up a crowd after a goal like a big goal think if it's a tying goal or an overtime winning goal or an up three to two goal like that's the song you hear and the crowd just hypes way up so those were my two picks all right your uh andrew so, wk gets on, my vote of of maddie's yeah of maddie's two i'm definitely going andrew wk as my vote you're, you're thinking the same thing, right, James? Yeah. So I think when we're done with this, we put up a poll of yeah, the, the three songs. The top three. So mine, Death From Above, then Andrew WK, and then whatever wins out of your two, which are? Oh, okay. So I'm not, I'm, I'll explain mine after. So actually, no, I'll explain it first. Uh, this one uh, was a high school song as well for me, but it's funny because it was, so when you arrived at school, this was the song that would play when it was basically time to get the fuck to class before oh, the announcement oh God, started. Oh, I know what song it is. So, I'll play this one. So that was Sugar Cult bouncing off the walls. Van I like the, I, I like the woes in there. I think that would be a lot of fun. Right? Yeah. That was kind of um, my thinking. I'm a fan just because it comes from one of my favorite movies of all time in Van Wilder. Van so Wilder, That obviously yes. gets a vote, but I do know what you're talking about. And that's why I was like, oh, man. Because <laughs> that is what you, you know, when every high school movie of the 90s, 2000s, it felt like that song was in there. Also, Sugar Cult did appear on one of the NHL video games with their song Memory, so they have a tie to, to hockey already. So um, that was my first one. And then the second one, uh, I was going to pick, actually, Electric Worry by a band called Clutch. Um, and then I looked it up, and apparently the Vancouver Canucks actually had that song from 2011 and 2013, around there, that era. So uh, I actually just decided to go with a different Clutch song. Notice that how was letting his run longer than ours. Yeah, I was gonna well, say like, my Nickelback, <laughs> my Nickelback pick played for like three seconds. Listen, I was doing the audience a favor. Um, so <laughs> but yeah, that's Mob Goes Wild by a band called Clutch, which has, I feel, the very uh, rock classic anthem style feel to it. I mean, it's titled "The Mob Goes Wild," um, and that would be my second pick. I like the vocal style. I think it it fits. I don't know about the rest of the the uh, the equation there, but I liked it. I, I I think I prefer your first pick though. Sugar Cult would get my vote. 
Me too, just because it comes from Van Wilder. And also, I feel like Clutch is disqualified because it was already a goal song for another team. And Dude, know, I'm pretty sure at one point, four teams had Zombie Nation. I'm pretty sure at one point, Andrew WK absolutely was a goal <laughs> song for somebody. Yeah, but I don't know that. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. <laughs> That's not the point. All right. So the point is, we, it's Vancouver, though. Do we, yeah. Like, Vancouver already has, like, a weird inferiority complex with Toronto. Not saying it's, like, they should because you know what, though? gorgeous. I love it out there, but. Vancouver, when they had Holiday by Green Day, that was an excellent goal song. I always thought that was great. And um, Brohim was good. Uh, Chelsea oh, Dagger was good. Brohim is classic. Yeah. Chelsea I, honestly, Dagger. Yeah. Brohim, those are. Or, um, or even Boston's when they had Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, I was going to say, was they, they had fantastic. Dropkick Murphys, right? Yeah. And that see, that's a great point. The reason why that is so classic Boston Bruins, because it, Boston. it is, it, it feels Boston. They found a local band that played a song that had the same local vibe. Now, obviously, I didn't hit the mark with Nickelback because it's kind of half joking and saying that. But I think that's what you do need. I think you need an iconic Toronto sound. And we don't really have that other than Drake. Um, but and we're like, actually known for a lot of like metalcore and like the Toronto area, like Silverstein. Uh, yeah, Silverstein would be well, sick. No, I, Counter, I agree. Like yeah, there's Silverstein and Lex on Fire. To a lesser extent, there's Billy Talent. But I don't know if, I mean, I listened to a bunch of them this morning. But they don't fit. I, I don't know if we ever, yeah. Like, I don't know if we ever got the vibe I wanted. Yeah, I was looking through them too. I actually had the same mentality you did. I was looking for something Toronto. And unfortunately, like, it ends up just coming back to, like, Drake. And I don't know that there's, like, a Drake song that would fit in in that yet, um, which is, I guess, kind of unfortunate. And, and because he's so associated with the Raptors, like, it doesn't doesn't quite work. I guess it's still MLSE, but, um, yeah. Um, what, you know what? I would love to see a team take a big swerve and, you know, they don't say anything and... First game of the year, they come out, the team, home game, scores, my heart will go on by Celine Dion. That would be amazing. <laughs> Actually. Yeah. That would be hilarious. Like just the like, memes? So you don't even have to do... The fans yeah, you don't even have to redo the video for a meme. It's just there. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. All right, well, James is going to put all three of those options up on a poll at some point on our Twitter, all on our social accounts at 43.6. You Make sure you follow along and... You get all the clips of the shows and you get these fun polls to interact with. And you can interact with us directly as well at 43.6 on social media. So make sure you're following us on all of those. I, I think you're right. The Drake one would be fun, but I don't think it works. Uh, it is an interesting mashup of like NHL meeting the NBA. And we had something similar like that this week when the Stanley Cup was presented to the panel of NBA on TNT. Which is smart. Everyone by the way. got a chance to. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was very smart for the NHL. I mean, the NHL is on TNT now, so it, it's smart to do that co-branding with them. Uh, actually, interestingly enough, also on TNT is All Elite Wrestling, and at some point, Charles Barkley was talking about like how he acknowledges Roman Reigns, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> they were like, you mm. know, th yeah, exactly. Like someone on TNT was like, "Ooh, don't say that." And then last night on Backlash, commentary was all over it that Charles Barkley was talking about. <laughs> Roman Reigns, just a nice little dig there. It's kind of you know funny. what? When it's the dead time of the summer, we're gonna give you guys a full wrestling episode. <laughs> Maybe like a, a special bonus episode. Yeah, but what Barkley also did, and not just talking about how he acknowledges 
the head of the table. He also acknowledges the fact that the he also acknowledges the fact that you don't touch a trophy you've never won. And the trophy went the, the trophy that we're talking about, obviously Stanley Cup, uh, went all through the panel, and you know Shaq tried to lift it up, but his shoulder is bad supposedly, <laughs> and it went on down the line. Everyone's touching it. They're talking mm. about how many beers fit in the cup and all that. And when it got down to the end where Barkley sits, he's like, no, I'm not touching that because I've never won it. I can't touch a trophy you've never won. So I, I agree with this sentiment. And I'm, I mean, obviously, you guys being grown up as hockey players, I think you're going to agree <laughs> with this as well. Um, I've had the, uh, I was going to say ability. I've had the luck and fortune, we'll say, of being able to take a lot of those pictures with uh, championships, as uh, I'm going to show you guys. Uh, audio listeners, you cannot see this, but there's my uh, TFC championship ring, and I got to yep. take a picture with the MLS Cup when it was won in 2017, and there's my Calder Cup ring, and I got to take That's a picture cool. with the Calder Cup when it was in town, and then, of course, in 2019, the Raptors NBA championship ring, and I got to take Larry a picture OB. with... With Larry OB, I got a picture with that as well. But when you're doing those photo ops, like there's like guards there. Like, yeah. You are not allowed <laughs> to touch well, this trophy. Did, did you want to hear what Barkley had to say? Uh, I, I, I assume that means you have the clip ready. To- I do. Okay. We're upgrading here. We're good. We, put, we invested cost <laughs> yeah. into this new, podcast. New technology. Yeah. Yeah. So here's Charles Barkley. I, I think it's one of the hardest trophies to win. Yeah, it's the hardest trophy. No, 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 Oh, he, he know, he know I can't touch it. Can't touch I would it. never touch that. Yeah, yeah, I'm you, surprised you, Chuck, you, you No, you know I would never touch that. You don't, you don't you even want to touch it. I would never touch it, uh, a championship trophy. Why? That's just a rule. I, uh, anybody knows that. Well, even if it's not your sport. Even though it's not my sport. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a rule. All right. That's cool. Were there any other? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, man. Hey, man. I'll be touching I'm surprised Chuck. Okay, so there's two things there. One, I, I think we can all agree, but I'll let you guys comment. You don't touch a trophy you've never won. And secondly, what I think is also an interesting conversation that I, I forgot about that he said in that clip, so thank you for playing that. Um, he said that he believes it's the hardest trophy to win, which is awesome hearing coming from a basketball player, that he's acknowledging the fact that the Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy in all sports to win. And I would agree with that as well. But we'll get to that conversation in a second. But first, your thoughts on not touching the trophy. Love it. I know when, even when I go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, I know I never had a sniff at any kind of pro or getting to that level. But it's the respect you have for the trophy, I think it is, to me. And even when I go, I won't touch it. I'll stand next to it. I'll take a picture. My hands do not go on it. How and often, I, actually, how, how often, Dustin, do you know, how often is the real one at the Hall of Fame? Like, Yeah, it's not often. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you would but, heard yeah, through your travels. For those who don't know, the cup that you see at the Hockey Hall of Fame typically isn't the real one. It's a fake frauds, but no. It's, but still, it's, you, it's, it's, not, still, it's not fake, it's predetermined. Yeah. <laughs> still, you like I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't touch that one either. It's just, yeah, and especially for us, as much as, same thing, like, I wouldn't touch an NBA trophy, but one, because it doesn't really mean as much to me, but two, like, I've got no stake in the game, but I think for Jim and me growing up, it's one of those things where, and I'm a firm believer in this may be biased, but I really don't think it is, because I've asked 
friends who are bigger fans of other sports. It is also the nicest looking trophy in all of sports. I mean, I have my gripes with other ones. I feel like the World Series trophy looks like a grade five art project. So I'm just like, whatever, who gives a shit? And I just always also remember Costanza driving within the parking lot, dragged behind his car. But um, yeah, I think it's one of those things we were brought up to like revere and respect that thing. And it's how hard it is to win. The grind guys go through, the sacrifice, literally giving up their bodies and, you know, that it's, I, I, I can't. Like, it's just a weird thing. Even though, you it's know, you hear stories of guys leaving it on the side of the road, but whatever. <laughs> it's interesting when you bring up the Major League Baseball comparison, like George Costanza driving around to the parking lot. But also, do you remember that story about Robert Manfred just called? He said that the, the World Series championship is just a piece of metal. It's like, you're, yeah. the, you're the commissioner of the league. <laughs> What's I feel like, going on here, man? But I feel like in those sports, the ring is more important, right? Like. Yeah. <clears throat> Whereas oh, the Stanley Super Bowl Cup rings are way more important than the Lombardi. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's like the cup is all about that moment that you get to hoist it and <clears throat> skate it around the arena and then hand it off to the next person. Like it's very it's very ceremonial. Ceremonial. That's the word. Thank you. Um it and to to and I'm not shitting on those guys who did hold it, but like I feel like I'm like like you said. I feel like I'm almost spitting in the face of these guys who scars, broken ribs, lose teeth to to get there. And I know they to do it to get to do it in that moment under those circumstances. But who am I to to do that without any of that sacrifice or or anything? And I think that's the same thing Charles Barkley said across all sports, which I think is even more impressive. And I I mad respect to to Charles Barkley that he wouldn't touch any trophy in any sport if he wasn't winning it, which is really fucking cool. Cause yeah, actually from such a great all time, like hall of famer player. Who didn't, who didn't win a title. Yeah. Who never won a title, but I like the point you brought up and I think this comes back from, and we're all three of us are fairly well educated or well read guys. I think you bring up a good point. When you say, when you talk to baseball, about baseball, basketball, football, it's like, yo, how many rings you got? And guys talk about rings. What do they say for hockey? How many cups? How many cups you got? How many cups does he have? They don't talk about the ring. The ring is this extravagant piece, as we've seen with guys like the Bolts and the Caps rings. They're insane. But they don't say how many rings you got. They say how many cups. And I think that also lends to oh fuck off dustin <laughs> for those who don't see he, on video he put all the rings on his finger acted like jordan but um yeah i think that kind of description of it or the way that it's related in terms of what have you won it's not yeah, people spend days with it and people spend days with that trophy and it's yeah that is almost just as important as anything else are the time that is allotted to these gentlemen with it because it has like it like there are guys that sleep with it oh yeah or guys that have what who was the one guy like you see all the pictures with guys with newborn kids who put their kids sitting in it and they like take a picture or you hear stories of guys who gave their kids their first bath in the cup or i think ovechkin ate cereal out of it right Oh, buddy, I'd be going full half and half Frosted Flakes and Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Fuck with me with chocolate <laughs> milk. Get fucked. Yeah. 
That yeah. would be my cereal bowl. Wait, hold on. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> it was, you said Frosted Flakes, half yep. CTC, and then with the chocolate milk as well. Yeah, Fairlife chocolate milk because it's extra protein and less fat. Yeah, and like a million grams of sugar. Yeah, but you know, I'm balancing it out with a smarter choice of milk. <laughs> but yeah, like like Jim said, yeah. there's there's a reverence to it. It's you know, there's I feel I feel when people look at the cup, there's a grandeur. Yeah. I, what's also cool about the Stanley Cup, and I don't think any other sport does this. Off the top of my head, I can't think of one. I think it's the only trophy in, at least in North American sports, where it's handed to the players and not the owner. Yes, it is. Which it is, is just and a, I think a, it's a minor thing, but I think it means a lot. Well, and I, I think it's also the only. Though. I think it's the only well, trophy. I mean minor in in a terms of presentation. Yeah, I think it means a lot for the players. But I think it's a minor oversight that a lot of other leagues do where yeah. they do this pomp and circumstance with like the owner of the team that no one has any has no one's ever seen this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like in terms of you I mean, if you're watching the game, at no point would you see the owner unless there was like one quick shot of him yeah. up in the press box. Cut to box. Like yeah. We've, the... we've been watching the players on the field, on the ice, on the court, on the whatever. I think it's only where also the only it's the only trophy that's continuously inscribed with the entire team um, when it's won. I don't think the other trophies have that level of detail, um, which, I, again, I think is why it's so important to them. It's not some faceless um, trophy that has a team. Like, your name is etched. Uh, I mean, unless you're you're part of the select few who gets yours etched out. Um, you know, your name is etched on a band forever, which is really really fucking cool so i we've all agreeing that we wouldn't touch it but my question now is would you buy a replica and keep it in your home same size yeah mm. yeah no, I, <laughs> that's that's even tough i would go that's i would tough, go small yeah. i would go small uh, you know what if it was plastic maybe yeah. um but i don't know but if not i would like a replica metal all oh, here he goes he's pulling one out no, I, this that's is like from a beer case or something. Oh, yeah. I remember when they did those. Yeah, those are cool. That's fine. Or the little coin jar you get where you could put the coin in the back. But if it's, it's like life-size metal, like a five thousand, like if I, if it's a five thousand dollar replica, would I buy it? Yes, but it would probably just sit in a glass case and nobody can actually touch it. Yeah, that's fine. But that's like, that's fine. I I have this little tiny replica uh, NBA championship one of Larry O'Brien. Um, which I don't remember how much I even paid for this thing. I'm sure it was because, of, oh, it says on the bottom. <laughs> it was $70, and I had my staff discount too, so I'm sure it was less than that. But no, the joke I was making is that you will see, for whatever reason, and this is something I'll never understand, and we don't have enough time to discuss this, but when you go to a wrestling event, you will see these <laughs> the, clowns the titles. walking around <laughs> with these belts on their shoulder. And these belts are expensive. They're like $400 a piece. And you got, I got my winged eagle here and I got my white intercontinental championship here. And around my waist, I got the universal championship. I was like, what is going on? You have $1,200 of nothing around your body right now. But for whatever reason, deodorant is just like a bridge too far. <laughs> like that's just something that's way too expensive yeah. for you to be able to put on your body. I but you're okay with spending $1,200 of 
brass and paint. I was at the last uh, ECW TV taping at the Hershey Center um, when I was a kid, and I remember the guy behind me had a replica ECW title, and we were like 16 at the time. I don't even know how the fuck we got in. Um, But um, I just remember replica titles at that time were so... They weren't they weren't a thing. So him having it was like and everyone was just like challenging him to a fight for it. And like, you know, it's and but now they're everywhere. Like my brother and I have replica OG uh, NXT tag titles. Um you know, which sick, will live in infamy the okay, black and so gold. There's there's a line though. So you guys first of all, I know you got a very good price on them. I remember this conversation. <laughs> the and price of free ninety nine. <laughs> I didn't want to say how much it was, it was right. but yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't expensive. It was a gift. And also at no point have you left the house with that around your waist. No, never. Oh, it sits in the bag. No, buddy. We're not neck beards. Like, yeah. you know, it sits in the bag. We're not the guys that like, and they, who are no deodorant, as you said, who are like, I, I you know who comes to mind when you name those guys? Brock Lesnar guy, the fan who, when Lesnar came back, it's like in the front row, and he's like pale as shit, like a jar of mayonnaise, <laughs> and he's like flexing, and he's like they his punked arms that guy though, didn't cap. they? Didn't they even what? bring him in for like their punked version show, where like, like they had like a gimmick where he like he accidentally threw out someone's cell phone, and like like they ended up freaking out on him, like they, like he's involved with them somehow. I think he's like a plant. I actually think they they travel him to shows for reactions, but I've also seen him at AEW. Yeah, he's he's everywhere. So I, I don't I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what it's kind of job you can have. You can be on the road. Maybe. I, yeah, he could be involved in some way or another. It, it would be expensive if it wasn't. Like he's front row at every event almost. So. So. Either way, I just think it's a little strange to walk around with championship belts around your waist or on your shoulder but hey you know what to each their own you know who am i to judge I mean, some people will just wear other types of jewelry you know necklaces and rings and all sorts of things like that and uh, <laughs> you're a smooth like operator no. man yeah, and, and i say smooth operator because that's my segue as carlos Sainz's song uh is smooth operator uh so i know where you're going with this yeah. yeah, so where, where I'm going with this is Mercedes driver Lewis Hamilton uh, was recently... Whoa, whoa, I don't Sir know if he's, Lewis Hamilton. Excuse me, he's Sir an, Lewis he's Hamilton. He's a knight. Uh, I don't know if he was recently informed of this, but uh, apparently at the F1 Miami Grand Prix, uh, you are not going to be allowed to wear necklaces, watches, nose rings, earrings, any sort of jewelry like that. I suppose for safety. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I don't think there's any sport... I guess baseball, you're allowed to wear an absorbent amount of jewelry while playing. But for the most part, when you're playing a sport, you're told to take these things off anyways, right? Hockey players well, the, I, they weren't even for... That was just dress code, I think. Like, they weren't even allowed yeah, to wear it dress code. Like at the event, period. Like, they wanted them clean, which is kind of weird. Well, it... I mean, according to the Globe and Mail article I'm reading, it says the FIA says the rules are in place to protect drivers in case of a crash. 
Maybe the assumption is that if they're wearing it to like a media thing pre-race or whatever, or say, you know, they're walking to their car and they have it on that they're not taking it off when they should be. And so they're just banning it completely or some shit. I don't know. I think it's fucking stupid because it's also the underwear thing, right? What's the underwear thing? The underwear thing. Sorry, go ahead. There's the underwear thing where they have, there's like certain underwear that they have to wear. And that's why they're wearing the underwear over top of their gear. Because there's this specific fire, and I got to say this properly, so I'm not one radioed or two seeming retardant um, material that they're supposed to wear under their jumpsuits so that if there is a fire, it protects their shit, right? And Lewis Hamilton was like, well, no, I want to be as light as possible, so I wear the underwear I choose to wear. And so a bunch of guys came out wearing underwear over their jumpsuits as well in a sign of protest, which is so Captain Underpants. I love it. But Listen, I just I just the F1 draft code thing is fucking stupid. It's so weird because like I can understand if you're like dressed decently, like, you know, when the Leafs didn't have a dress code and it clearly didn't work out. But like, like the jewelry isn't something that that is, I don't think, too over the top. And I mean, I think Lewis actually made a point in one of his photos on Instagram where he wore like four watches and he had a bunch yeah, of Yeah, it was on. hilarious. It's great. Um, that, I that love that we're talking more on his wrist than I'll see in my entire life. <laughs> I love talking F1 because I love F1. So it's just unfortunate that we, that this is, this was, it's unfortunate that this even made news and stuff as they're trying to grow the sport in the United States. It's just so like, when you look at how, like you said, how baseball players are looked up to, uh, NBA players, and you know how they present themselves, and then you know F one comes here and is like, like they're telling guys to scale it. Like, it just seems weird. Like they're like in F one more than a lot of sports. The person, especially with Drive to Survive becoming so popular, these guys, their personalities, like that's what's going to get them over with the United States crowd because, you know. Uh, budgets for teams and cars and you know well the, what do they do the chassis how do they reduce drag like they don't like a lot of i don't know that a, a bunch of the western culture is going to give a shit about that but they, what they will give a shit about are their favorite drivers and who they gravitate towards so i think you know it's just so it's just like they get in their own way man sometimes the fia gets in its own way and this is one of those instances where you know you just signed a big deal for a race coming up in vegas nighttime race in vegas which boys i'm thinking we go watch some f1 in vegas um Buddy, i'll be at the blackjack table the whole time there's no point <laughs> um you know you have this big uh, race afternoon race in miami it just i don't know seems kind of weird I, I and sometimes i feel like they're doing it specifically it feels like they're specifically like calling out lewis but um i don't know we'll see also it's unfair that guys like lewis hamilton exist because one they're so talented and two so damn good looking and it's like and like an angel off, of a person yeah like, like he's a knight <laughs> people like him he's good looking he's successful and it's like i pray to god he's got like a half inch dick <laughs> you everything about him so inspirational like he's just he's he seems so wise something has like something has to be wrong somewhere but it doesn't feel like yeah it. like like the dude puts the milk in his bowl before the cereal yeah you know that's like, gotta be shit it. like that eats it with a fork or something yeah 
I did happen to skip over a story because that was just such a smooth transition from jewelry to professional wrestling belts. But I still want to get to this one other story. So I, I don't think we necessarily need to spend too much time on the Blue Jays. Basically, all we were going to talk about was, well, they're not doing too good, are they? No, not really. I think. Well, let's, let's, of- let's give their off day that they haven't had for like a month, essentially. Give them this little off period. See how they do coming out of it. And we regroup for it on Monday and see if there's a change. So, yeah, yeah I agree. I'd also like to say, point out too, that, you know, when comparing the Jays to the Yankees, the Jays have played significantly better Harder competition competition than the Yankees continuously playing the Royals, the Rangers and the Orioles. Yeah, we'll save, so. we'll, we'll save that. We'll park right, it. So, well, yeah, I think we'll have a bit better understanding of where the Blue Jays are in the landscape of professional baseball after this series with the Yankees and, everything that comes up this weekend. However, I think we do still need to talk about umpiring in Major League Baseball. I think we need to talk about the Madison Bumgarner story. Now, if you're not aware of what happened here, Bumgarner on the mound, it's the first inning. He's a pitcher, so he's pitching. And, you know, some calls aren't going his way. And I think it was a it was a ball outside where he thought it was strike three, so he started walking off the mound. But it was called a ball, so he had to go back to the mound and finish off the inning. Which happens all the and time, by the way. Which yeah, which is not unusual. Like yeah. if you think it's a strike, like you're not. Anyways, it's it's not a, a ridiculous thing for someone to do. And Bumgarner's been in the league for a long time. It's not like he's just some rookie who doesn't understand how things are. Like yeah, he's probably had a 10, 12 year career in the league. Uh, however, on his way back to the dugout after the inning eventually ended, what you are supposed to do, you go over to the first base umpire, or I guess if you're on the other side of the field, you go to third base umpire and they check your hands for any sticky substances or any illegal tactics that you may have been doing during that inning. It's usually a quick thing. They look at you, you say, okay, good. You're gone. What ended up happening here, uh, first base umpire, Dan, uh, Bellino was, like touching Bob Gardner's hand, but at the same time was like staring into his soul. Like he was staring daggers through Bob Gardner. It was almost as if like there was the word, the answer to today's wordle, like right behind his eyes. Like he was just <laughs> trying to pull it out of him. Yeah. What is the meaning of life? It's right there. And it's one of those situations. I don't know if I ever told you guys the story. I think I might have with the, the story of me, uh, staring at some guy down the hallway. I don't know if I told that story in this no. podcast. We can save that for another time. But it, it, it basically got to the point where the staring was going on for so long that Bumgarner started to realize, like, what, okay, something's up here. Like, what, 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 what's happening? And then he looks up at him, and now they're... I think at some point, Bumgarner said to him, like, what the fuck do you want from me? Like, or he said, like, take you, your like, fucking time or something. Yeah. Yeah, like he, he ended up swearing at him, like because I guess he was a annoyed already with the call, and B was just uncomfortable at the whole situation. It was just weird. It went on for way too long, and he immediately tossed Bumgarner. The umpire is immediately tossed Bumgarner from the game, and now everyone's like, "Well, what the what's happening? Like, why is this? Why did any of this happen? Like, there was no reason for any of this, and." You know, I was looking up Dan Bellino, and he seems like a normal guy. Like, he he went to law. I don't know if he went to law school, but he owns, like, a law firm. 
and he passed the bar. Like he's he seems like a normal, intelligent person. Yeah. Listen, every serial series, every serial killer yes, was a normal guy until they were a serial baby. killer. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, man. How did it I wanna know something, Dustin? How did it make you feel watching it? I thought it was just strange. And it, it felt like But did you feel like you had to shift in your seat a little? Like like I don't I don't know. I to me it just seemed like someone abusing their power. That's what it felt like to me. It felt like Do like you know who I am? Me. I'm your umpire. Yeah, and it, that or was young Yeah, like or I call the shots kind of thing and you better know. Do you know what I mean? Which, yeah, which is hilarious cuz and I think this is the issue that we're getting at here is that these umpires think they are way more important than they actually are. Like they are not important at all. No. Like, we could find robots to do this job better than you are currently doing it. And Game after game, day after day, they are giving Major League Baseball all the ammunition they need to finally pull the trigger on this thing and say, okay, you guys are done. Well, my thing is, is the first thing about officiating, you're always, and Dustin will know this, obviously. Well, granted, not really, because refs and wrestling are part of the story. But the one thing you're taught about in sports as officials, and I had buddies who refed in you know omha hockey and triple a hockey and shit like that is call the game don't be part of the game and these guys are making themselves part of the game and not just that i feel like all the shit we've seen so far this year with terrible umps the whoever that like again i'll use this line again that cucklord was for those j game early in the season and then angel hernandez you know all these fucks who are getting away with their bullshit and nothing happening, they're just keep pushing the border more. They're like, well, if we're not going to get called for having a 65% strike to ball call, like accuracy, and, you know, we can stand there and just throw out managers and throw out players and, okay, yeah, we'll get a stern talking to maybe after the game or, you know, in our weekly report whatever they're like fuck it we'll just start running the show and doing whatever we want and until it comes down where it's like you're gone you're gone you're gone they're gonna keep doing it um what's, that's what's my weird, opinion what's weird to me is that the things you're describing about balls and strikes that at, at the very least that's judgment you know you could you could default to saying poor judgment or poor assessment of something like and i guess to an extent this is poor judgment but it's not even a poor judgment on a measurement it's a poor judgment just on your your overall behavior. It's just who I, one of you guys said this, and I'm giving you credit. If this was softball, and that was a woman in a softball game, that the cops would be called. And I'm not saying like I'm not saying like oh if it was a woman and we were getting treated. I'm just saying in general that behavior and that is just not cool, man. Like it's just weird. One hundred percent. If that's university women's softball, that dude is uh, going back to what we let off the show. That dude's canceled. One hundred percent. Yeah, he's one hundred percent canceled if he did that to a female pitcher. And I, I think that's. I, mean, I was going to say I think it's a great point because the point that I made to you earlier this week. But like, I, I think what I'm trying to say with that is we don't normalize assault on men 
the way I'm normalized, probably the wrong word. We don't um, equate it. We, yeah, we don't flag that as being a violation of a man's personal space the way we would if it was a woman. Well, just look and at Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Obviously, because women deal with it way more than men. Yes. do. I'm not trying to yeah, belittle 100%. any of that. I'm just saying when it happens to a man, we don't look at it with the same lens. Because if it was a woman, this guy would be canceled. He would have been fired. This would like this would be a massive yeah. story. Oh, Go back and watch the video. This dude's life. Go back and watch the video, and he's not checking the tips of his fingers either. He's like massaging his hand, like it, like the thumb in the palm, like. You like at what point? Like I can I can tap your hand and see if there's sticky stuff. They actually compared the video to I think I think they were playing the Mariners. Who are they? No, it wasn't the Mariners. Marlins. I forget where they were playing. But the the pitcher for the opposing team gets checked by the ump, and it's like one two done. On his way into the dugout, the the pitcher doesn't even stop walking, and the ump checks him on the way in. And I think that's why it's it's really fucking weird that well, this happens. Yeah, and I think like and said is we don't look at it in the same lens and i don't know if this is way off base or i'm just thinking like hypothetical you know a lot of the time you see a man interested in a woman and pushes the boundary and crosses the line and gets in serious trouble as he should because of the typical i guess historical relationship between men and women but now that it's obvious that you know and becoming more and I don't really, I'm terrible at wording this, but not necessarily accepted, but more brought to light and equality being more forefront. What if this guy is just into Madison Bumgarner? And why do we look at it differently? Because potentially, I'm not saying he is obviously, but do you know what I mean? Where if it was him to a woman because he finds her attractive and this is kind of his thing of like bossing her in the moment, why can't the same thing be said and have the dynamic. same lens You're as Justin said for him being attracted to Madison Baumgartner? Like, it's bullshit. Like, this guy should be gone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, whether so he is or he isn't, like, like it's still a power dynamic move in, yeah. in a moment that doesn't that doesn't necessarily require it. And sometimes it does require it when you're an official in a, in a game, in a sport, because that's your job is to uphold the rule of the game. But at, there's there's clearly a boundary that's crossed like two seconds in that he's not upholding the he's not doing it to uphold the rules of the game anymore and that's that's the problem he's he's one lip lick away from fucking going to prison (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah as he's staring at him if he licks his lip in that moment you know everyone freaks out way more about it and he's yeah i don't know it's just yeah i I got that weird feeling where the more you think about it the more like you kind of stirring it a little bit you just get really uncomfortable uh now in fairness to dan bellino he did issue an apology for it um i think it's a bit of a weak apology but uh, in fairness to everyone involved he did issue an apology and we haven't heard of any discipline for major league baseball so it sounds like this story is over but if it it, doesn't blow up though does he apologize and here's my thing too i'm done with apologies give me an explanation anyone can say i'm sorry there wasn't a whole lot of anything in the statement. It was more of just, you know, I feel uh, I I can't go back and change what happened. I t- so I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said, I fell short of those expectations, expectations that of his standards, I guess. Uh, while I can't go back what, and change what happened, I take full accountability. I will learn from this incident and I sincerely apologize. That sounds like a dude on trial for sexual assault. 
Yeah, I mean, not like to be I said, creep. he does own some law firm and he <laughs> did pass mm. the bar. So he, he has like some lawyery blood in him, we'll say. Yeah. For sure. But like that's the like word for word something that someone on trial for sexual assault, alleged sexual assault, would say on a stand. I mean, it does sound like one of those tweets that comes out after someone gets canceled. Where it's like, yeah. I'm yeah. learning from this and I take full accountability and I apologize. And you know, I, there's a lot no. of parallels to that. You know that culture, phenomenon. yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck that guy. That's what <laughs> I <might> say. <laughs> fuck him. Well, there's no great way to transition transition <laughs> that. But <laughs> I was gonna say that whole thing was kind of strange, wouldn't you say? Well, yes. So it was definitely a strange situation. That's very good. Thank you. That was a good one. I got you. Um, so we do want to talk about Doctor Strange in full spoiler, but we're gonna do that right at the end. And right at the end is right now. So thank you for joining us. For another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast that you've always wanted. I'm Dustin, he's James, and he's Maddie, and we will see you next week. However, thank you for holding on. It is now time to talk about Doctor Strange, full spoilers. So if you haven't watched this movie yet, hit pause and come back when you have watched the movie. So what I, what I mentioned before, and I guess is a good jumping off point of this movie, vaguely mentioned what I thought, like I, we missed something along the way. Like why on earth is Wanda all of a sudden batshit crazy? Like when we left her at the end of WandaVision, I know she was looking through the book and her, like she was trying to find a way for her and her children to be together. But it it almost felt like I missed an entire season of WandaVision that justified how she got to the point she is right now. Well, because she went from being way? mad to being the catharsis of having the house deed from Vision, remember? Um, yeah. or the Or the land deed for their house, right. which is catharsis. And then, yeah, she's looking through the Darkhold, but like... All, but like yeah there's there's this period of time where i guess she, she was corrupted like they say it corrupts those who use it but we don't see that we just assume that yeah, and, and, she spent and a little too much time problem. with her nose in the book it's the the storytelling issue that i have with it is the see show show don't tell right you're just telling me that wanda is crazy now like why can't you show me that she has gone through this change but it's worse because you just went through her being crazy and that's what makes it worse like, she goes crazy, is okay, then goes crazy again. Like, I feel like it would have been better if there was just no catharsis coming out of WandaVision. No, like I, you... think, I think she never stops. Because I think the end of WandaVision, where you see her with the Darkhold, shows that while she had a moment of acceptance and catharsis that she did with Vision, that she her mind didn't completely change because she's still using the Darkhold to find it. Right, so she never exited that mindset. Yeah, no, and and I under I understand that point. It just feels like they give you a solution to take it. A, like, you know what I mean? Like, it just feel it feels like that. I I, I think by the end of the movie, we kind of get a better understanding of it because we see Doctor Strange, uh, badly afflicted at the end of the movie with his interaction with the Darkhold. So I, I guess like if you look at it that way, like you can see how quickly he changed or how quickly it started to take effect on him. But yeah. at the beginning of the movie, we didn't know that. So I just thought it was a weird way to 
kick off that movie where it's okay one like i thought maybe if we are going that direction it would have been wanda saying oh really this happened okay let me help you figure out what happened to america chavez let me figure out who this person is who this witch is who is sending these demons to like travel with them a bit and then turn on them yeah yes and then at some point in the second act when she then makes the switch and you're like oh and i think it would have been more intriguing that way um but I also understand it's only a two-hour movie, so there's a lot they probably, a lot more they probably wanted to do with that that they couldn't have. So that was my biggest complaint of the movie is that I felt like I missed a whole bunch of Wanda's story, character development, and she just became Scarlet Witch, and I'm like, oh, okay. And I think that's the first time she's ever like been referred to as the Scarlet Witch. Like we've always called her that, but like she's never actually. The last Been. episode of WandaVision. No, yeah, Agatha Harkness called her that in the show. When they're in the sky. Okay. But but that's okay. what I mean. Like <laughs> you you're so I, you're so far removed from that, right? I I thought my big problem with this, and I talked about this with my buddy Brendan, in that the movie starts at a breakneck pace. And then it kind of really slows down. And you're like, okay, we're building up, we're building up. And then it just kind of ends. You know? And it's like, one is just like, I'm so sad. I'm a monster. Movie's over. <laughs> I'm going to destroy the Darkhold in every universe somehow. <laughs> just, I don't know. From wherever she is. It was a very convenient, wrapped up way to end that movie. I agree. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, it just kind of happened out of nowhere. And I'm like, you know, you kind of expect this big fight like america uses her or figures out how to use her powers and then it's just like two punches and then she opens a portal and sends her to watch her kids and then she's like i'm a monster i'm destroying everything and the, the dark hold stood for and bam it's over and then dr strange just kind of floats off and there's there's a line that wong uses in the beginning of the film that kind of freaks me out for everything he's like it's the scarlet witch she has the, the power to control reality as she sees fit or something well then just make yourself some kids like, you know, big just, plot hole. just make them. Yeah. yeah. So I, there was, I think we're, we sound down on the movie where I, I think as we expressed the beginning of the episode, like we like this movie. Oh, like, I'm being, I'm just being a bad movie. Yeah. Deeply critical where like, if you, these are, these are deep cuts, like we're grasping at straws, I would say for, for the things that like the things that irked us, if you will. Yeah, I think there's... So what I did like, there's two things that stood out to me that I really liked about this movie. The first being how our dreams are just us in an alternate universe, which I think is a cool concept. Yeah. And if you look at it back to other situations in the MCU, like there's other times that people have talked about dreams. And it's interesting now if you look at that with that lens that that's actually something that is happening in a different universe. And then secondly, it came up, I think, a couple times in the movies, almost to a point where I think it's intentional, where I think it first happened where Doctor Strange was at uh, Rachel McAdams' wedding. I don't remember her, the character's name. Christine Palmer. Christine Palmer. He was at Christine's wedding. And the other doctor sat beside him and they were chatting and he was talking about like what it was like being blipped and all that he lost and his he cat girl. he lost his cat and then his brother like he's more concerned about his cats than his brother uh but what is interesting the way he framed it was like you sure that was the only way 
that you could have beat Thanos. And I think someone else questioned him later. I think it might have been like, uh, it might have been the Illuminati or another version of Doctor Strange who also asked him again, like, was this the only way? And I mean, I guess looking at it with the other universes, they also defeated Thanos. But it came at the cost of Doctor Strange himself. So that's the what I'm wondering. Did he sacrifice and Tony the, over himself? So when Doctor Strange said, this is it, this is the only way. There, I, I went through all the possible combinations and there's only one in which we succeed. When, when he thinks we succeed, what does that mean to him? Is he being like, selfish and arrogant in protecting himself and self-preservation? Yes. That's what I'm, I'm wondering now with this, the, like a new way of looking at Doctor Strange, like every other one in the different universes, ev- like almost every universally, every Doctor Strange was the bad guy in the other universes so, they went to. Yeah. So in, in like comic, recent comic history, they've toyed with the idea that like magic itself comes at a cost and every time he uses magic, there's a cost associated with it. So sometimes like they toy with that concept a lot of him not always being the ideal heroic type because, but because it's complicated because there are a lot of choices that have to be made and, and he sometimes doesn't make the right choices. And I mean, but I think that outlines itself very apparent even from the beginning where, you know, he's having his troubles with Christine and stuff like Dr. Strange is a very fallible character um, you know, you know, who, who doesn't always make the right choice. Um, even, even in no way home, he probably never should have cast that spell for, for Peter, but he did anyway. Right. Like it's a very selfish move, uh, selfish between the two of them. Um, yeah. so yeah, it was, yeah. you know, oh, go ahead. oh no, I was going to say like, other than that, you know, some of the some of the horror stuff that I just, I wasn't a huge fan of was like Wanda walking like she was in the fucking a Japanese horror film where she's got the leg creep and she's like, uh, I didn't really like, like that was too much for me. The, the, the idea that the, the, the crescendo and like the, the end of the film is centered around a zombie strange. Like, I feel that, like, like that's you know, and I and maybe it does highlight America as the hero in the moment. Um, and I really dug America Chavez, and I really dug her character and the actress who played her. Like, I thought she was perfect for it. But like a zombie strange in that moment seems kind of fucking weird. Um, I, yeah. I was gonna say one thing I really like though, kind of is you've always seen Strange use that stupid golden orange light disc or a whip. Or a shield of it. And, you know, it's always been the same. It's cool to see this dude finally use some, like, real fucking magic. Like the fist that took the light post? Like, yeah, like, he uses the fist to pick up the light post. Or when he creates the green fire and throws it up Gargantua to protect America Chavez. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that is what you expect from a Sorcerer Supreme. Not always defaulting to little golden hand blades and the golden whip and then the golden shield that he uses all the fucking time, you know? Um, like, outside of the bands of Sidorak that he used in Infinity War, like, who the... F- 
like what else has he fucking done nothing so you know you're seeing him do something which leads me to something that we were kind of talking about at the top that we were going to get to is the piano fight scene i personally thought it was clever i don't know about you guys <laughs> it, was it went on it, it was it was clever for the first trade back and forth but then by the time it got to like the second and third round and then the the harp it was just too much like it was it, like it, the the novelty wore off for me like i was like oh Real that's hard. cool but then it's like you're still doing this oh you're doing it again oh there's a harp like it was just like okay like the horse you know what this yeah. reminded me of this was fucking spider-man 3 with emo uh peter parker walking down the street and doing that dance routine and then walk into the jazz club and doing that dance routine with it's Buy just me some shade. This is Sam Raimi being Sam Raimi, man. Like, beating the dead horse. Weird, it is weird shit that doesn't make any sense and doesn't serve the plot of the movie. It's just let's put in this weird thing here. And it's just, not like weird, like creepy weird, just like kooky. You know, yeah. like now I'm curious to know where this goes because I, I said that you know, I was talked to a few people that they purposely less left Wanda's end, and I use end in air quotes, ambiguous, because you could interpret it as she used her powers to bail after just before it crashed down on her, or her powers were being snuffed out, and that's what that flash of red light was. So they left it purposely as a backdoor. I'm just I I was going into this and I'd said this to Jim a million times that I thought it was gonna be like a backdoor reversal house of m where she would do this and fuck with reality so much trying to bring her kids back and inadvertently creates mutants or mutants proper um whether that's, that's meeting multiverses together yeah i would say that's a long journey an incursion as they described it might happen that destroys universes so yeah well I, they've I, already created they've already created an incursion though like that yeah yeah well th- just not in their universe he has to go fix no, it. It was in their universe. Yeah. Yeah, but they they, they, they reversed it, with, it. He essentially did it with Zombie Strange. Yeah, but then they reversed it. Or, no, or they, they stopped it so from happening. The the post credit scene, like, What's-Her-Face shows up and says, you created an incursion. We have to fix yeah, it right now. Clear. They go up they, but they go to Dormammu's world. Yeah, but it's just the ramifications of what the incursions do and bleed through the multiverse. Right. Right. So and now that there's no Illuminati to stop them, that's yeah. why I I just thought that that it was going to be a backdoor way to kind of create or at least inspire the idea of mutants, even though Wanda would be one, and maybe that's the explanation. Maybe there's a couple here and there, but this is the spark to really set it off, kind of thing. Um, I do like your theory though that maybe they've just been hiding and they're too afraid be of how the world would persecute them, and maybe they feel comfortable coming forward now with all these other super beings. Um, you mean you mean mutants? That is, yes. Yeah, that was the theory I was, was talking Jimmy, to. Him. That was Jimmy's theory. Um, yeah, because I think I think it gets too, it gets too meta if you just start. Here's this magic reason why the mutants are here now. Like I think you almost have to, you have to. What, did I, what was the term? Back to the future, it and just not ask a bunch of questions and just. Yeah, but this these are the same fucking guys that they could have and like Star Lord. If they just knocked out Star Lord, that. We have no Infinity War and Endgame, and it's just like that's what I mean, right? You just have to kind of accept it. Yeah. So I I think 
I think the way the MCU is currently, I think it makes the most sense to bring in mutants just from another universe. Other than it being like, oh, Wanda did something to create mutants in some way. Like, I think it, I think it's just easier to explain, I guess is a better way to put it in terms of, because there's always going to be that question, like you said, of, well, where were you when Thanos did X? Like, how come you guys didn't join the fight? How come Wolverine wasn't there? Well, this well, they is why. They could always backdoor he... it and say they were in, in the Shi'ar Empire, and so they weren't around. <laughs> that's, but that's like, that's for the heads, right? Like, that's, like, like zero people are going to understand that reference, and I think that's the problem. And, but, but then you're talking about the, the problem that I would have is just stop, like, they're just going to start using it to do whatever they want, and that gets really annoying, and that might be an exit for me in this shit, is if they just start, well, the multiverse did it. Well, the, we have the multiverse, so... It's just the multiverse. And I'm just like, no, it's I don't. Like, it's, like, it's like South Park and crab people. It's like, yes. Ah. <laughs> when they're in the writing room and they don't know what to do, like, crab people. We, we can use crab people. <laughs> right. And, but on that same token, I just want to say I'm hoping that John Krasinski's uh, Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards is proof of concept. And he is okay, so, cast as so, Reed yes. Richards. <laughs> There's a lot there. So Illuminati. Obviously, John Krasinski. I, I didn't know that was happening. I don't know if you guys knew that was yeah, happening. Yeah, I saw the spoilers on Twitter. Oh, so is that what you guys were talking about the last couple of weeks? Yeah. Some spoilers that you had seen? Yeah. And I was like, don't tell me, don't tell me. So yeah, I was, I was definitely like, John Krasinski when the, move, when the scene happened. That scene was cool in a lot of ways. The John Krasinski thing obviously was cool. Um, the guy, Black the, in, the, the, yeah, the Inhuman, who I was calling Black Noir. and um, It's rough. And, and then the X Men theme on top like, of Professor X, the cartoon. Not yeah, any Professor X though. In the it's it the one like, from the. It, I think that's the one from the cartoon. Like that's the point, right? Yeah. yeah. No, like no. So first of all, he's in the the yellow, the yellow mobile thing. He's wearing the, the same green, the music and the green suit. Like that is the animated Professor X. Yeah, he's but I really, dead. but yeah, I really like John Krasinski in the role. Like he was my fan cast, and. Uh, what I'm, what I was saying is that I was like super confident. I was like, well, all the other variants are the same actor, so maybe that. But then I'm like, oh yeah, but Spider Man, <laughs> there's two different Spider. I'm like, well, Don't. and also Monica Rambo in this case was Captain Marvel. Well, no, but she's still so Monica Rambo. It's the still same person who played her. Yes, and it's still Monica Rambo because Monica Rambo okay, was so you're Captain saying, Marvel. Like, Captain Carter is still, it's still, the same. still it's Peggy still Carter. Yeah. Alien so Apple. I'm I'm hoping yeah. that. Um, and I think it is because I think he wants to do it and I think they are interested in him. And I, I really think, and Matt and I will debate on this. I really think it's a cool opportunity for them now that John Watts has exited for Krasinski to direct the film because I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think, I don't necessarily think Krasinski's going to be the same character, but I think he's going to direct the film. Well, I, I hope he's, I, well, if he's directing it, he's going to, he's going to be read. Like I, like at this point you're just, you're creating a problem you don't need to create with the fandom that, wanted this and is excited about it and there's been zero been like fuck john krasinski for being mr fantastic like everyone loves it so you're only creating like they also love it for the potential of having emily blunt be sue storm right but i'm what i'm saying is at this point if giving them this and then not doing it probably creates a lot of bad taste they don't they can avoid because i think he wants to do it and i think the fans want it so it's just them saying sure and they've already green lit a portion of it having done it in this film so but like I said, I think the the really interesting opportunity now is, you know, with their history of taking kind of junior directors and elevating them, um, this is a cool project. 
that I think he could he could do really well having both done serious directing with Quiet Place and directing a shit ton of Office episodes. So I think he gets the family awkward banter dynamic that he could apply to the Fantastic Four through his Office experience, but he also gets the serious kind of tension um, action style thing from from Quiet Place and even from being in things like Jack Ryan, right? So, yeah. I will say, Fantastic Four, they're lining it up outside of Doctor Doom to make perfect sense because their top villains are Kang the Conqueror, Annihilus, Galactus, Super Scroll. They're all, yeah, a lot of the remaining top villains from Marvel lore are very closely tied to the Fantastic Four. Or not Four. just that, they're very much being primed to come in. Yeah. Oh, point. I see what you're saying. There's like one, there, there are no, seeds planted more. for all of them potentially. There's one more that's left off the list for very good reason, but we won't go there. But um, why not? This is the spoiler. One. No, because buddy, like fucking, like Mad Thinker oh, gives yeah, a fuck okay. about Mad Thinker or Beyonder, and they do Secret Wars. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But like there's and like there's Puppet Master, like you said Mole Man. I was like, Mole Man's that dude where when they get a second movie, they open with them fighting somebody in the streets and it's fucking Mole Man. <laughs> like I'd be really cool to see somebody different like Psycho Man. Because of what you could do with that, right? You know? Or someone like Diablo would be cool. But Super Scroll to me, as Fantastic Four's first villain in a movie, makes sense considering you're having Secret Invasion show, you have the scrolls already there. It makes the most sense, but like Silver Surfer and Galactus to me will always be number one. Yeah. Right. So I don't know, but I see. I. My only thing is, is this is the one time where everything we've kind of seen with the Marvel movies and shit, like you could see the path in front of you. You can see where it was gonna go. You may not have seen the end and how Endgame and was going to end, but you knew they were getting to that point. I honestly don't know what they're going to do now outside of Young Avengers. I was, I was actually, you know what? Now that you said that, I was actually thinking that in my head. Like the, every nothing in the beginning, it all kind of felt cohesive, right? Nothing really feels cohesive at this point in time. Eternals feels like it means nothing at this point. Uh, kind of a good sh- thing. Shang Chi. I think if they had could the just weird t- retcon Eternals, and no one would ever care. Um, Shang Chi had the weird That's ending, true, they could. saying something's coming, but and they're like, "You need to get down here," and no one knows what the fuck's going on there. Doctor Strange is not leading into that, though. I am confident. Like I said, seeing the Doctor Strange will return makes me confident that you know we're getting more Benedict Cumberbatch. Like I know it left on a cliffhanger, but like I still like Benedict that confidence. Um. I just feel like there's it's it feels very schizophrenic at the moment and I don't know you know what I guess I don't like they're calling it phase four but I'm not really seeing what like what the phase is I think I think the Shang-Chi Eternals tie is the foundation of it to be honest I think that's where you'll see the building blocks of what's coming next because very clearly i think the rings of power in shang chi were eternals or type technology um 
and then not just that i think they're i personally think they're setting up for like annihilus i genuinely think that because they don't want to use doom yet i think he's the crown jewel so they're waiting i think galactus is almost a thanos level type thing but annihilus would be really cool because it's you have the multiverse now you have you know the negative zone and the annihilation wave can come in and it's yeah similar to avengers one with the chitari coming in and shit but it's just i i think that's what they're setting up for yeah, I think it's going to be a while, too, because I think the next major movie in this line is going to be Ant-Man. Thor. And that's not, that's not until... Well, I mean, we have Thor, but I don't no, see Thor tying into No, I don't think Thor leads. I feel like yeah. Thor is going to... I don't yeah, think I it leads like anywhere. Thor is going to tie up a bunch of loose ends on Thor's end, and it will lead into the next Guardians movie. Which is I don't, next year. Which Yeah, which is like May of next year or something like that. Yeah. And then You're there's right, the Black but, Panther movie that feels like is like a lame duck movie because, uh, I mean, for obvious reasons, that Chadwick's no longer around. And I still have no idea what they're doing at that movie. And somehow it's in post-production. So, like, they filmed this movie. I don't know what exactly they actually they got filmed. delayed because of COVID and shit like that, too, right? So, yeah, I mean... I feel like you're right. I feel like there's a lot of outlier films and, ironically, with core characters. And I feel like... You're right. I think Ant-Man is probably the next one that's going to give us a big indication of, of where things are going to go. And they just swapped those dates with the Marvels. So, Well, Kang, right? So Kang is essentially the villain of Ant-Man. Yep. I, I so, think so. Well, I'm, that's what the, the Twitterverse says. That's what the interweb says, right? And because they, I just think, you know, I, 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 as much as like, if this was DC, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? But I trust in Feige. Like, I believe that this dude has a vision and has a plan. And I think with the previous whole Avengers, like, lineup of 22, 23 movies, I think because we were so obvious in seeing it, I think he's probably playing a little bit more sporadic to throw people off. So people have these discussions. And people have these moments where it's like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, where before it's like, oh, we can see this and they do this and then they're going to have Thanos and then they do the big two movie thing. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's purposeful to not have everything so intertwined, but still exist together. Yeah, I would agree. I think... There's just that run there in 2018, 2019, where it just felt like they were just rolling in all cylinders and all was kind of led to Endgame. And now we have to learn to ease back down again before they start ramping up again. So, Give me a score ex- movie. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. I mean, we do have all sorts of stuff confirmed later on, like Blade and Captain America 4 and Deadpool 3 and another season of Loki coming and Ironheart and Armor Wars and Secret Invasion. Like, there's so much stuff. And then X-Men 97 coming at some point, too. Oh, my God. But it just doesn't feel connected. And I think that's what's freaking me out. Is like, is it going to get... No, I know. But is it going to get to the point where... Like, I'm with you. I trust Feige. I trust Marvel. But it's starting to feel like it's going to be a mess. Like, that's what it's starting to feel like. And I'm hoping that it's not. I think it's just bringing people back to not feeling like, you know, because like when you got to Thor Ragnarok, 
you had to have seen everything before to truly understand it. That's true. It, it think, could be a palate cleanser. Yeah, and what they're trying to do is being like, hey, we'll make references to past shit. We assume you've seen the previous 22 big, you know, Infinity Saga. So, but what we're going to do is, is it'll still tie in, but it's not going to be as overt or needed for your viewing experience. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's the way it works in comics, right? You get a, f- a few issues over on a story and then you build up towards a, a big event and then there's a downtime. And so maybe they're just replicating that, which is cool by me. Yeah, just give me, like I said, just give me an eye list and I'm happy. And then Backdoor Wraith. They use a cool character they had for a while and that had that run during Annihilation and then went away and then came back for a little bit with the uh, King in Black and then, Yeah. Well, it's all very exciting stuff, and we're going to have to just wait and see how it all plays out. Hopefully, well, I think coming up next is going to be Miss Marvel, I suppose. Hopefully, it's not as horrible as Moon Knight was. But uh, What is first, Miss Marvel or Black Panther? Black Panther's... Oh, no, Thor's next. Oh, Black Panther. No, Miss Marvel is... You're thinking of the Marvels. No, Thor's next. Miss Marvel is the, Ms. Marvel's the television series on Disney+. Plus That's coming in a couple weeks. Oh, it's a couple weeks? Okay. So Miss Marvel, yeah, then so Thor, then Black Panther. Yo, I think next week is the Moon Knight discussion because, sir, I mean, I think the last three episodes made up for the first three. Oh, I I don't think you're right, but we'll have to save that. This we'll have to save that conversation for another time. Yeah, for the post credit show. Is your first ever post credit scene? of 43.6 we'll be back next week to talk all about sports believe it or not we do talk about sports on this show because this is the sports podcast that you've always wanted i'm dustin he's james he's maddie and we'll see you next week